I want to talk to you today about a, a soldier's faith. There was this centurion in Capernaum, and the centurion was over about a hundred uh, service people with him, and it was a highly prized position in the Roman army. It took 15 to 18 years to get to that position, and it was much like a captain in the army today. And this person, this centurion, believed in Jesus and his healing power so much that he was saying, just, just say the word and my servant will be healed. He's held up as, and as, as an example even for us today for believing in Jesus and his healing power. We're going to talk more about him a little bit later, but first I need to set this in context of this weekend and Memorial Day. So what do you do if your country is at war against itself, if the United States aren't united, and 600,000 Americans lose their lives fighting against one another? Because this is what happened in the Civil War. What you do is you remember. And very soon after the Civil War ended, in fact, in the year about 1868, there came a holiday in the North called Decoration Day, and people would decorate the graves of those who had died. And in the South, there was a similar tradition. And uh, not too long thereafter, in the late 1800s, it came to be known in North and South as Memorial Day. But it wasn't officially recognized as a national holiday until 1971, when it became the fourth Monday, or pardon me, the last Monday in May each year was set aside to be Memorial Day. So it's to remember those who died while serving. It's a little bit different from Veterans Day, which remembers every person who has ever served in whatever capacity uh, in the U.S. forces. So there's some traditions I didn't know about as I did a little research here. On Memorial Day, the flag is instantly taken to uh, full staff in the morning when it's first raised, and then it's immediately dropped to half staff thereafter. And the symbolism there is to remember those who have died. One million plus U.S. servicemen and women have died in combat since this holiday was first uh, established here. At noon, then the flag is again raised to full staff, and it's raised in order to help us remember to have resolve to continue this cause for freedom, uh, no matter what our status here. So flags are very important, as you can tell, and... I have this particular flag that was um, in this F-15. Can you see the pilot in the front who's holding this flag? And it was presented to this church by Matt DeMardo, who is Doug Wakefield's uh, nephew. And this is what Matt wrote us. To the men and women of Westlake United Methodist Church, thank you so much for your prayers and the cards you have sent to me while I have been deployed at Al Udaid Air Base, Qatar. Your support is what makes serving this great country a privilege. 
is a small token of appreciation for all that you have done for me and all servicemen and women. I want you to have this flag flown on an F-15E Strike Eagle while on a successful mission for Operation Inherent Resolve in our continued fight against ISIS. Thank you and God bless. Captain Matt DeMardo, U.S. Air Force, April 2016. Doug Wakefield's nephew. So we place that here as we remember this day. And we pause to remember, as we look at this picture of Arlington Cemetery, that flags continue to be placed on the graves of those who have died while serving us. We pause in worship now and remember. Oh, holy God, we remember the words of Jesus who said, No greater love has a person shown than he laid down his or her life for his friends. We give you thanks for all those who have served you in all the branches of the armed services and protected us and witnessed to you. May you hold on to them and never let them go. May, may you receive them into your arms of mercy. And may they rest in eternal peace. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ, who is our great physician, our healer, and who promised the Spirit to be with us forever. Amen. I want to shift just a little bit to know that the military has long existed not just to go into war, but to maintain peace and even beyond that, to provide healing. Uh, even as this centurion did for his servant, his, his slave, as he believed in Jesus and Jesus as the healer and sought that kind of healing for him. I did a little more research this past week and as early as the mid-4th century B.C., Alexander the Great and his army was known for making restoration or repairs in hurtful situations. And so it continues even today where the military operates in this healing kind of fashion. On the very early morning of December 26, 2004, there was a tsunami event in the Indian Ocean. There was an earthquake beneath the seas off the coast of Indonesia that lasted for between 8 to 10 minutes. And it generated waves, these tsunamis, of 100 feet high. And it struck Indonesia and India and Thailand and Sri Lanka and more than 230,000 people were killed. It was the third largest earthquake ever recorded. And guess who were some of the first responders? It was the military. And of course, food was brought in and, and water and medical supplies and not just supplies, but people on the ground and there were logistic things and communication and transportation 
and they were part of the healing force. In the first two weeks, more than 15,000 American servicemen and women were deployed in that region to provide aid. It continues today that the military is often on the side of healing. And, and why? Why the military? It's because they have the command structure already in place. Uh, they can operate very efficiently at times to respond to natural disasters or to, to do repairs after tragic events. And this is the point of this centurion. So we can just go back to the regular slide here. This centurion, what does he say about healing? He says to Jesus, just say the word. <laughs> I'm a person that's under orders, and I give orders, and I know what command is about. Just say the word. You don't have to come under my roof, and I know that my servant will be healed. He's a witness to us of that kind of faith, even us who live today who say, I've not seen Jesus in person, but I believe that Jesus, you can heal at a word. And some of you biblical scholars are scratching your heads and you say, this sounds like a similar story. I've heard this before in the Gospels, but it sounds a little bit different. Yes, in Matthew's Gospel, when Matthew remembers this story, the centurion in Capernaum, he talks to Jesus directly. That's a good thing to do. John, when he tells this story, it's, he says it's an official in Capernaum. He doesn't say a centurion, and it's not a slave this time. It's his son. That's a good thing to do, to appeal on behalf of your family member. I like how Luke tells a story. That Luke tells a story that Jesus can heal at a distance, because that's most of our experiences. And that it's about a servant on behalf of someone in his household. Some translations say a valued servant, and you think it's material. It's not. The word in Greek really means esteemed, honored. This centurion loved this person in his household and wanted to do everything for him for his healing. You know what this is about. Pastor Lisa did a devotional with staff meeting this past week, and we read this passage. And she said, we've played these roles before. We've, we've been the centurion. We've been the one that has appealed on behalf of somebody we love and say, Jesus, heal this person. We've also been those emissaries from time to time, haven't we? We've, we've carried the message along to Jesus. This is good. We have a fancy word for it in the church. We call it intercession, intercessory prayer. We go on behalf of of someone else. We continue to do it today, don't we? Would you take that blue prayer sheet? Uh, Pastor Lisa had us uh, look at that before. I want you to hold this in your hand just for a second. Look down about three quarters, seven eighths of the way down. It says, we pray for veterans and those currently serving in our armed forces. I thought this would be a good thing for us to do out loud today, to, to be those kinds of messengers. The centurion had other people pray or go on behalf of his servant. We're going to pray for the centurions in our midst, okay, for the, the soldiers in our midst. We pray for those including Michael Wakelin, Matt Seeley, Zach and Kyle Hornt, Ben Putman, Derek Gould, Kirk Bingaman, Will Dalzell, David Sturm, 
Benjamin Bernard, Dallas Kalbacher, Sean Corbett, Matt DeMardo, Alex Parrish, Ruben Perez, Jr. Just say the word. They'll be healed. Today, I would also have us pray for family members of those in the service. Could, could we not carry them also? There was a woman who visited this congregation for months. It may have been a year and a half or more. I can't remember, but she used to sit right back here at this 1115 service. She came to worship here because her husband was in the military serving overseas. She came here because she needed it. She came here because she needed us. She came here because she needed to be part of community and hear good news preached week after week and to know that somebody was loving her, her husband, and praying for him. And so we do today. I really like the example of this soldier's faith, this centurion in Luke's gospel, because he humbled himself. He was a powerful man, and yet he asked for help, and he asked for help for his servant. I wish he would have done one thing more. Is it okay to do that with Bible passages, to rewrite the ending, to put our own kind of stuff into it? Is that okay, do you think? If I were writing it, I wish he would have prayed for himself. I was reading a statistic this past week preparing for this sermon, and it said that in the campaigns in Iraq and Afghanistan, 2.4 million of Americans have served in those wars. And then here's the thing that bugged me said as many as one quarter of them may come home with PTSD, with post-traumatic stress disorder. They may not always ask for help. We may have to be the ones with our sensors up and our hearts open to be ready to, to lift them up. I've been a pastor a long time, and this is one thing I've learned. It is very hard for you to ask for help for yourself. <laughs> It's good. I mean, you, you're good about this. I got this servant, you know, this person in my house I want to lift up. I want you to have, you know, I want to have prayers for. But to ask help for yourself is very, very difficult. I know it is for me. I'm going to model for you what you might do. <laughs> I need your help. Um, I'm going to have surgery Friday morning, 10 a.m. If you don't have anything else to do, you can pray for me. Um, about 18 months ago, I had cancer on my tongue, and, and it was removed. Unfortunately, it has come back. Another little lesion has come back. I'm angry about this, okay? You can be sad or whatever, but I'm angry because uh, I do all the right things, and uh, still it comes. So I'm modeling for you that I'm going to get through this. It is a tiny, tiny thing compared to tsunamis and people serving in the military across the seas and stuff like that. But I'm witnessing to you that uh, you can ask for help and it's okay. All right? So here's the good news. I believe that Jesus can heal. <laughs> and I believe that Jesus can heal at a word just say the word. Amen.